Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. We are here for a bonus episode from the Mobile, well, the Mobile Hunters Expo. And uh, this expo has been, first off, Chris, it's, it's been out, it's been outstanding. Thank okay, you. Uh, real quick before we kind of go in more detail, because there's going to be listeners that are going to want to hear more details, and we're going to, you know, joke around some stuff, and you know. You know, go see some behind the scenes of this weekend and everything else, and also maybe make fun of Jacob Emery's super hairy toes <laughs> while he's got him out here. But uh, let's go around the room and let everybody know who's here. So, Jacob, I'll let you let you take it away. Well, you know, I'm 
here in full force. With well, who's here, bro? Who, who is Oh, you want me to say who's yeah, here? Yeah, who are you, bro? Well, I'm Jacob Emery, I think. Oh. Uh, <laughs> we have Chris Leppard right beside me. We happen well. to be separated at birth. <laughs> <laughs> it's my twin brother. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all introduce yourself. <laughs> All right. So, as my twin sister just said, uh, my name's Chris Leppard. Um, Hold on a sec. All right, Chris, oh. I got to bump your audio up real quick. We're in, we're in. Yeah, sorry. My voice is going a little bit. I'll, I'll let you let you start over from right there. All right. So, oh, wow. There it goes. Much clearer. So, just. as I was saying before, my name's Chris Leppert, one of the founders of the Mobile Hunters Expo and uh, fueled by the Outdoors YouTube page and all that. And podcasts. And podcasts. We, we're on every platform. <laughs> I am Josh Luck. I am kind of the behind-the-scenes guy as far as operations go for the Mobile Hunters Expo, content creator and kind of operations guy for Fueled by the Outdoors, podcast, YouTube, and, and all our platforms. And I'm Rick Cates. I am the other host of the Fueled by the Outdoors podcast and grunt. Uh, I've been running around <laughs> doing everything, <laughs> emptying garbage cans you're, and getting waters all week. You're the sensual voice. I'm the, the sensual voice. I'm just going to tell you all something right now. I just now noticed it. And I haven't noticed it when talking to him at all at this weekend. Josh has the buttery, soft, smooth tones, okay? <laughs> his voice not the case. At least with that microphone, it's coming across like this dude. This dude's made for radio. He's got the face for radio, too. So it's, it's a win. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, oh, man. We've got Rick here, too. But uh, anyways, guys, you know, Josh, I'm just joking, bro. You, you don't, don't worry about roasting me. I, you know, I'm fat. I'm redhead, dude. You know, Red Rocket. You call it. I got it, bro. Red Rocket. <laughs> It's a good bonus episode. I'm, I'm glad this is for all the bonus content. This is, this is bonus content here, guys. So a very exclusive uh, following will be able to you know hear this episode, which is gonna be super fun. But um, anyways, dude, this has been a pretty awesome weekend. We got to talk a little bit about the expo, and then we can kind of you know get to some other discussions a little bit later on. But uh, Chris, we had you on. God, uh, probably by the time this episode came out, probably about a month and a half ago, almost maybe two months ago, talking about the Mobile Hunters Expo. Uh, it's pretty exciting. We had some awesome feedback from listeners. Um, and now we're actually here after day one of the expo. And I don't know about you, but just looking from the outside looking at it, I'm like, man, it's been pretty freaking successful, I feel like. Just like the reach and everything. It's been it's been killer so far. Yeah, it was uh, pretty humbling to hear from the people working parking there, there weren't a whole lot of cars from Ohio. They were Iowa, uh, <clears throat> Alabama, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, New York, and Maryland. I mean, they came from all over the place. I apologize ahead of time. My voice is <laughs> taking a huge dump. So uh, I've been talking to like what seems like thousands of people this weekend. But no, it it I would call it a success for sure. I mean, we were hoping to pull a little better numbers, but the thing is, is you know, this is a, a niche crowd and uh, talking to Alex Chop, you know, the, the intimate feel and being able to engage people and actually spend time with people and get to know, you know, your customer or whatever and, and vendors. That's the thing that I wanted uh, as much as anything else is for the vendors to get to meet each other. These guys talk online all the time and we all talk to them, but nobody really knows each other for the most part because they're from all over the country and now the majority of the mobile hunting community was here yeah and that i mean to me that's a success and i'm super honored and you know to have people like parker mcdonald jacob emery 
the red rocket. I mean, this is <laughs> this is freaking slick. It, that's that's all I could ever ask for. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of cool because again, we're in a we're in an area of the country. It's, you know, we're in Ohio. Okay, all right. So, I I have been surprised by the amount of people, like you said, that aren't necessarily from Ohio that are here. Okay, that people are like made the commute. They're like, hey, you know, we're, we're gonna suck it up, pay for a little bit of gas, drive over, grab a hotel room, hang out. And after day one, it was really kind of interesting. After talking to some of the different vendors, that even some of the vendors were like especially kind of like, you know, through the middle of the day, we're talking about the discussion of they didn't really know what to expect and they were pleased with kind of the turnout in the business and how engaging everything is because the difference between this versus a normal consumer show is the hands-on like communication with the vendors, with the customers where you're getting literally all their time. Like they're there to give you as much time as you need to be able to ask all the questions, try what you need to, which you're not getting even at like a bigger uh, a bigger uh, a consumer show. You don't get that because, you know, when you have, you know, 30, 40,000 people coming down one aisle, you know, over the matter of a few hours and some of this, like, these really, really large shows, they can only talk to so many people so often. We're here. It's still a bigger show, but it allows everybody to be able, hey, if you want to go try something, you can go hop in line, get ready, talk to the guys from, you know, whichever company, hop on the stand, hop in the saddle, uh, and really kind of mess around stuff. And it's, it's really cool. And it's kind of cool to see the community all coming together for this and, and kind of what the next step could be, uh, which is, uh, again, super, super exciting. Um, but Jacob Emery, one of our guests, one of the guest speakers for this weekend, okay? You know, he, he had his first day, his first, uh, you know, seminar today. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, watch that phone. Watch, Sorry. Watch that phone. We're going to have a little little static in the background that Andrew <laughs> can uh, edit out for us. But uh, <laughs> Or maybe it's our new editing guy by this time. Uh, but anyways, um. I'm, I'm excited though. Jacob, again, one of our seminar uh, guest speakers, talking some water axes. We just got done watching the Self Film Festival, man. Looking at little water axes bucks in, in one of these actual uh, videos. Jacob, what's been your take so far from this expo? Kind of talking to people, talking to fans, the whole nine yards, you know, since you've been here. Well, a lot of people probably wouldn't know being here is that every single person in this room, except for you, I'd never met before. And the cool thing about it is, is you talk to all these guys on different corners of the country. You feel like you know them. You feel like you're best friends with them. And when you meet up, you don't miss a beat. It's yep. like, it's like you, you've been best friends yeah. since, you know, you were five or whatever. Yep. And uh, that's the coolest thing for me is getting to meet up with all these guys that have the same passion as you. They like to hunt relatively the same way. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's just awesome. Yeah, and you know, also behind the scenes, the craziest thing is, you know, you know, coming from the outside, I didn't know what all was entailing behind this. And but Rick, Josh, y'all's whole, and I mean Chris, y'all's whole team behind the scenes has been bananas, <laughs> getting stuff ready, moving stuff, bolting TVs up, getting ready for the film <laughs> festival, dude. I mean, just crazy. I, me and Jacob were in the back, back of the, uh, you know, the the uh, expo here. And y'all were hanging those TVs, and I'm like, "This is getting real sketchy." Man. I wasn't like, going nowhere near oh, those. They, they TVs. get the impact gun. They're ah, the freaking like mountain, you know, TVs on some of these uh, <laughs> these trees that we got cut down. But it's been kind of cool to see behind the scenes, like what all is entailed with this, because there's there's so much more moving parts that again from the outside looking in was not aware of. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, we're kind of working through you know different aspects of it. But it's been really kind of cool to kind of see the performance, the feedback from people. I'm sure y'all have had some interesting feedback as well, just talking to different people that came down for it. Uh, so it's been, again, super exciting. 
So, Josh, what, what's been your take? Because you, you've been the announcer tag. Again, with the buttery, soft you know, tones of <laughs> old Josh over here. I, I appreciate the compliments. Because <laughs> usually Chris and Rick are just telling me I don't talk loud enough all the time, which I don't. I, I try and talk nice and soft. That's just working with patience all day. That's how I talk. <clears throat> but, um, so, yeah, back what what you were saying with, you know, the, all the behind-the-scenes stuff. So this is... This is only our second year, um, so we're figuring out like the logistics as we go. And and Chris is the idea guy. Him and I kind of bounce ideas off, but he's he's the big idea guy. That's what he's good at. And then he'll he'll go a mile a minute. He'll get an idea and go with it and go here and there. So I'm the guy that'll that'll slow things down. And it's like okay, like we need to do this, this, and this to get to where you want to go to, Chris. We can't forget about these things. So so we. We complement each other, I think, in that aspect, and I mean, it's it's kind of a it's a large undertaking just figuring everything out, and it's like you kind of have to think. I've this weekend I've tried to prepare for like worst case scenario because we get people that have asked us, you know, how many people are coming, you know, what's the turnout look like? It's it's hard to gauge that. You know, we've done a lot of advertising online. Uh, we did pre-sales, but I think the majority of people here today weren't actual pre-sale no. ticket holders agreed yeah. so it was you know it's kind of hard to gauge it's like i don't know we could get you know 400 we can get four thousand. like it's it's hard to tell so my job was pr- to prepare for the worst case scenario and we're, we're just figuring it out as we go yeah and i know rick you've been kind of running around as well again it's like dude every, every time i turn around it's like rick and josh is grabbing crap and like moving <laughs> stuff and there's other guys as well i can't, can't remember everybody else's name but it's like grabbing stuff moving stuff getting stuff set up uh, you know, moving, you know, speakers around the whole nine yards. So, I mean, it's been, you know, hectic, but I feel like, again, from the outside looking in, it's been fairly smooth with a lot of stuff, which has mm-hmm. been kind of cool. You know, I've been super interested, especially with the, the seminar aspect. That was one thing I was, like, super, super excited about uh, just from the application of, like, okay, not only are we here to come and try out the gear, but now you're actually be able to talk to and get feedback from, like, Jake Bush and Jacob Emery. Uh, Aaron Ritter, and, uh, of course, Greg Staggs. And, uh, you know, I didn't hear Greg's talk this morning. We, we got a little distracted doing some stuff, getting, you know, ready for today. But I'm excited to hear Greg's, you know, conversation for tomorrow on day two. But it, it's just really kind of interesting having that dynamic with this show and, again, adding that extra value. Like, hey, you're not only coming and, like, try and test out different gear, network, talk to a bunch of different people, but you're getting, like, direct Q&As. Like, Jake Bush today – I mean, it was like straight Q and A for a oh, large part man. of that conversation, mm-hmm. and it went it went over time. I mean, I, I, yes. I, I went, mean, it went a good while. Yeah, so like it was it was just really kind of cool to get somebody like that, um, and, and you know, everybody be able to kind of pick their brains. Like you, again, everybody in the group could ask questions. There's really no dumb questions they're going to answer to the best of their ability as all the speakers, and kind of go into you know whatever, whatever topics that the the uh, you know guests wanted to kind of discuss. Because uh, a lot of those guys had some really interesting questions today with a lot of the different guest speakers and how stuff was being broken down. But um, what what other kind of feedback do y'all have so far from like the, the film festival or you know everything else? The film festival has been pretty cool. Of course, you know things you know we're working you know working with you. There's always like moving parts and trying to you know hit a moving target. But it's been really kind of cool to be able to put up a self film festival to highlight some of these people that hey like. 
Parker McDonald's video that he's made, you know, self-filming sucks. Mm-hmm. First video, I'm like, bro, I'm like, I can relate. Loved it. Yes. Absolutely. Dude. It hit me Great. in the feels right away. <laughs> I was like, that's got to lead off the self-film festival. Yeah. And then, and then you know, Jacob Emery behind it talking about, like, hey, listen, guys, I'm going to be real with you. Listen, I might not get the shot on camera, but you're going to get some reaction and everything else. Having a good time, dude. And that's like the whole point of like, I feel like that film festival is like showing people doing what they love and then share it with everybody else. And it's not like, you know, it's not like they have a production team, you know, mm-hmm. putting this on. Like, you'll go, like, you go to, like, the Badlands Film Festival. Some of that stuff is ridiculous. I mean, it's, like, super fascinating to see, like, how in-depth some of those productions are. But also thinking about, like, who's behind the scenes getting that production done with, you know, a field producer and multiple cameramen and, you know, multiple editors to make something happen. And most of these guys are, like, they're doing it themselves. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy, and it's super awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... uh. It's been a large undertaking, and I think, you know, the so to kind of tell people, so we had a few, like, audio problems and stuff tonight with some surround sound and everything, and we're just, we're not there yet, I think. Uh, we we kind of, maybe, I, I underestimated, um, you know, the power of Bluetooth, or overestimated, rather, the power of Bluetooth technology. It sucks. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, I never want to use it again. So can, can I preface this real quick? Yeah. So I I did tell Chris like, hey, we we might be, need to test this out a couple of days ahead of time. We got busy with other things, <laughs> so yeah. that never happened. We but. we got so busy, man, and that was my intention as well. And then I was like, I should do that. Oh, it's Saturday and it's five o'clock, and I don't have any more time. <laughs> I still I still think for for the main for the main part of the whole thing though, when we went around we had those difficulties amongst other things and we were able to kind of find and fix solutions um that fit the need at the time which i think was is is kind of how you know a lot of these expos tend to run i mean we're not ata we're not anything like that but you know those have you know much like a Badlands film, like they have massive production and promotion behind them. Yeah. You know, we're, I mean, what, a 10-man, 12-man team yeah. uh, most days, and we had a lot of volunteers come in for this kind of stuff mm-hmm. who were all really willing to help. And the one of the things that I took away from this is that, like, even at the end of the night, some of the vendors that stayed for the festival and that kind of stuff were so willing to be like, hey, man, you need help putting these chairs away. Yeah. You need help doing that kind of stuff because they're invested in it, too, and they want to see it grow and they want to see it do well. And, you know, everyone's kind of complimenting each other on everything. And that's what I like so much about this community. And I'm like Chris knows I fought mobile hunting like just <laughs> like I do archery for most days. <laughs> My little archery. <laughs> but. I, I love seeing kind of the community here and how well everybody interacts and is willing to just kind of support each other. And there's no like, you know, crap talking back and forth of like, don't go buy that guy's stuff because or, right. you know, or they're my direct competitor or anything like that. It's been so nice to just see everybody, you know, interact well. At least know. with the companies that are here. At least with the companies that are here. That's, what, that's all <laughs> Dang, I can say. Jacob, we're going right there, man. <laughs> I'm there, man. Over the jugular. Dang, you dude. can't see Jacob's middle finger. It's right here. <laughs> got middle fingers, middle toes, whatever else I can flex. <laughs> no, I agree with you 100%. It's been a super positive environment and like seeing the vendors help. Like mm-hmm. you you don't have to help, but they are their wives helping out and stuff and you know even um 
the you know I don't want to call people who paid here to come here customers, but you know our our guests. Yeah. You know, helping us put chairs up and stuff. I'm like, hey, you paid and drove to come here. Stop. And they're like, no, we want to we want to help. Blah blah blah. So, uh, means a lot. And and it's it tells me because I know I know everybody here's had this conversation about the in heavy quotations industry mm-hmm. and how crappy it can be. What a freaking bright spot oh it is gosh. to see people mm-hmm. like working together, coming together, and you know eating together. Basically, like I said in my speech last night, like, mm-hmm. and I I think that's the way people have to think because. The second you start thinking about you and just being out for you, you're gonna you're gonna sink. Oh yeah. So And that's uh that's something that we, we kinda realize, especially even with podcasts it's, it's, as well. It's like there's really no I mean, th- there is competition, but there's really not competition. Like if, if you're supporting everybody and, and producing quality con content, products, everything else, the customers are gonna follow. Yeah. And and there's something about like when you're like Friendly and working with other people, even though they may be having a similar product. Like, again, you have multiple different salad companies. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, tree stand companies, stuff like that. But they understand, like, if they're, if they are all success, they can all be successful together in their mm-hmm. own light. It's not like it's one or the other. And right. I feel like so much in the hunting industry, but not even just the hunting industry, like a lot of industries. Oh, yeah. It's one or the other. And it's not like you can't have multiple people all come together and be like, listen, we're here to grow that community because as the community grows, that's more revenue for these companies coming in. Sure. Too. Yep. Instead of like training, like, oh, I got to keep all the cheddar to myself. I can't share with nobody. It's like a lot of these companies, all the companies that are here, I think, understand that. And that's the reason why they're taking part in an event like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I believe there is a technical term for it. So my my wife's first degree was in economics. Man, just really flexing on us here. First degree. Okay. What's the <laughs> second one, though? She's a pharmacist. Dang. Can married I, up, son. Can I borrow some dollars? I, I have a doctor. Does she, she, I borrow some does, dollars. She, does she have a sister? She's She has two. Don't other answer sisters. that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. technical term, I don't know if you have any economists listening to the podcast. You might. They may tear me apart. But I believe it's called agglomeration economics or economies. So same reason you see like a, a Walmart, a Kroger, and a Target all in the same area. They're all in the same area. It increases business and revenue because if something – Let's say a Meyer or a Walmart doesn't have something that they want, they'll hop right across the street to the Kroger and get what they want. That's like a legitimate like business tactic, mm-hmm. which I feel like some of these people you see in the industry don't get when they're all selfish. It's like no, like if you work together, it's beneficial for everyone, and even you know some friendly competitiveness is going to drive innovation in the industry, which is best for your consumer. So, I mean, well, and that—that's the part that I kind of take away from it too. Is that it's what's best for the consumer, not what's best for you. And I get running a business and everything along those lines, but I get very tired of watching businesses who are very selfish and self-centered in a lot of ways. And it's like we can pump out a product for you, but it's not what's best for you as an individual. Like if if I if I went out here and I went to one of these saddle companies. And I said, well, tell me, you know, tell me about your stuff. And the only tell me about yours and you don't say like, but go look around like there's other stuff here. And like come back and test ours. And like what you're telling me is if you can't tell me to go test other people's product, you're not convinced in your product. Mm-hmm. And, and like that's the same with bows, same with arrows. 
you know, any trail cams, trail cams, anything you can possibly think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's literally like having the confidence in your product and have the confidence that, like, hey, like, there's other people here. Our product speaks for itself. Go try everything else. Come back. Yeah. Let me know what your thoughts are. Yep. And a lot of people have that mindset here. And that's the cool thing. Again, like just hopping in like a bunch of these different booths and just trying different things and seeing different stuff happening. And also like some of the different products coming out and everything else. Um, it, it's just fascinating, especially when you see like these companies, like they're all cutting up together. Like, you know, yes. yeah. perfect example. Listen, I love Matt Garris to death from Mountain Limb. Dude, he is the he. You better watch out. He's gonna he'll come up from behind. He don't care who you are, man, and freaking try to scale scare the hell out of you, or whatever. He's going behind. He's messing with all these guys, different all all these different you know owners of these different companies. But it's like he, just socializing. Like he he lo- likes to socialize and socialize with a bunch of different people. And it's like it's amazing again from their perspective as well with an event like this. Like you mentioned, Chris, they're all be able to come together and talk to you know some of the other people in the industry. You know discuss you know what's working what's not working stuff like that and you're hearing some of these conversations having behind the scenes just from the, the different companies and it's not even having to talk about well you know with the with the guests or you know the consumers that are here present for the show and again it's just kind of like all empowers like that you know mobile hunting community like hey you know we're all in this together you know it's all focused on creating a really good product a really good service and this is a great opportunity to be able to come and try a bunch of those different products you know hear some really awesome guests speak have some great food and everything else. I mean, it's like, dude, it's a freaking win-win. Um, Brisket mac and cheese, dude. Son, jambalaya. The jambalaya was good. Oh my god, I haven't those, had either of those things. The, and when they <laughs> when they brought in, so backstory on that. When I'm, they, we're gonna burn everybody to death. Oh my gosh, <laughs> they. So there, <laughs> I was out at the archery range this morning, and I see a guy under a tree over there with like a paring knife, and I thought he was like cutting flowers. And I look over, and he's got, like, a bag of onions sitting in front of him. And he's, I'm like, oh, he's peeling onions. I'm like, what is he making over there? He's got this, like, tin can-looking thing and then this monster cauldron on top of it. I'm like, oh, he's cooking gumbo or something. And then we figure out it's jambalaya, and they uh, they walk it in. It was at the um, – which one was that? Buzzard Roost. Buzzard Roost. Mm. So they're out of Louisiana, right? Yeah. So authentic, wonderful. Amazing dudes. They bring it in. And it's in this, they've got two guys who are barely holding on to it, getting it inside. And, you know, they just said, hey, free. We want to feed everybody. And, oh, my God, it was just (laughs) freaking phenomenal. Like, just so, like, probably some of the best jambalaya I've ever had. Yeah. It's the best I've ever had. Oh, my gosh. It's the first I ever had. <laughs> it was good. Seriously, it's the first I, time yeah, you've jumped alive. Well, I, I'm Ohio boy. Come on now. Listen. Well, I'm I, I'm Ohio, and people do the Zatarans, and I'm not. Oh, do you get it? I don't eat. <laughs> I don't do the boxed mac and cheese. I don't do boxed. We make things from scratch, the right way. Yeah. And so, I'm not going to try your Zatarans jambalaya. So when he rolled in here with that, I was like, I'm going to get that. Do you want to know the more impressive thing about all that? What's that? He said oh, he brought he came in himself, the guy who cooked it, and he goes, "Man, I'm glad this turned out right. This is the first time I made it for that many people." <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I mean, it was perfect. Hell yeah! Absolutely All those perfect. onions, onions. Did you what, did you get to go out there and smell that cooking oh, yeah. when he just had the onions in there? Yep. Oh, could live in that bowl. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like you know, this is it's just kind of cool with the community and kind of what's what's happening, but also. One thing I'm just very impressed with is, again, the distance that some of these people have come. Like, I was talking to some guys that came from, like, Minnesota, Wisconsin, which, I mean, that's a freaking haul. I mean, that's a haul. I mean, like, 
um, I'm trying to think. You know, East Coast, North Carolina, Mississippi, Texas, Texas yeah. New Hampshire, Texas. Mississippi, and it's Alabama, York, and it's just it's Florida, just cool. But again, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of. I think there's a very bright future for the mobile hunting community. And what else can be kind of done with this kind of going forward? Uh, what else y'all got on the expo? Because I want to change topics to just a little bit. As far as the expo goes, man, it's really cool. Uh, it's kind of weird to hear all the positive thought because, again, in the this industry, there's such like a like an alpha male syndrome going on, mm-hmm. where if you if you start to do good or anything, people just want to like beat you down. So it's really cool and and kind of different. Um, with that said, I'm I'm super excited to take all the constructive criticism and take my own criticism and you know your guys's and and uh, really I, I feel like we're going to be able to build off this year and really. T- I mean, I think it was pretty special this year, but I, man, I, I think some big things are probably in store for this. Yeah. And it's not it's not for me or us. This is for everybody. And it you know, I think that's something that you can hang your hat on is when you come here, you know, you're not most other shows are ran by businessmen. I'm not gonna say they don't hunt, but I probably bet you that they do not hunt. This is ran by hunters for hunters. And I hate to sound cliche, but it is. Mm-hmm. And 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 we care about each other. The dudes in this room care about each other and we care about the people that walk through the doors, whether they're a vendor or a guest or, you know, whatever. And we love hunting so much that we want it to have this positive spin and, and this, these good vibes rather than all the damn negativity that we experience with political division and division within our industry and everything. So it's, it's been a really cool weekend. Absolutely. Jacob, what you got? You got anything on, on the expo? You, you've been quiet, dude. He's faded, dude. That, yeah. that bourbon. You, the bourbon. You getting sleepy? <laughs> dude, oh, he, he's, staring, he's staring through me he's right now. I'm looking at him. He's, he's got what we call shark eyes, dude. Just, I'm look, fine. Look. I, I am perfectly fine. I love it. It is. Black soup. eyes like dolls. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of really cool products here. And, and like Chris said, there's. There's no other show out there that's giving you an opportunity to come in here and look at multiple ways to mobile hunt, you know, with multiple products and really test them all out. And that this is it. Amen. This is it. I thought you were going further. So that's oh, I thought about it. it. Yeah. Holding back the reins, you sorry yeah. suckers. No. Yeah, Jacob. <laughs> Jacob, you know, posted a video. <laughs> Yeah, you know, as, as like a, now, now we can get get, get we can get off in the weeds now because you know if people made it this far into the podcast now we can just derail the whole conversation. Uh, Jake made a little video before the uh, before the expo that I thought was pretty interesting <laughs> with your dog. It's, dude, it's it was it was funny with, with his dog abuse, dude, like, bro. That, oh. that poor Ooh. golden retriever man. You no, ain't no, hey, listen, seen. No, listen, my brother's got a golden retriever. I, I, do, I do the same thing to his dog. His dog's wild, dude. Like wild, but no, no that. Uh, Anyways, get this hype and everything out, dude. It, you know, it, it was it was good. But one thing I, I'm very excited. Just one more thing about the expo before we kind of just totally you know sidetrack the conversation. I'm excited to see what other companies are now willing to potentially be a part of this in the future mm-hmm. with oh, any dude. new shows. Because I think the ones that are here, they're going to talk about it and they're going to share this experience. And I think the ones that kind of decided not to go or maybe oh, it's not a good fit or not a good time or whatever the excuse is, 
I think there's going to be – I'm, I'm interested in seeing who comes around like, okay, I need to be a part of this next time because yeah. the value's there. I agree 100 – I appreciate that, but I agree 100%. Hearing some of the things come from some of the vendors and then some of the other content creators here and stuff, it really hit home, and I thought, I thought this before. We, we talk about it all the time. It's tough to get snubbed. I'm, I'll just say it. Uh, I don't – nobody likes to hear no – you know, but we all, we understand it too, and and so me and Josh would always talk like, yeah, though, there's going to be people that come around and and want to be a part of this, and hey, get your ass in here and let's have some fun together. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, we're not trying to keep anybody out. We don't care if we like you, don't like you, don't care in the middle, whatever. We want everybody here, and we want we want companies to benefit financially because then we benefit financially, and we want people that come here as consumers to benefit, you know, whether it be financially or, you know, winning sweet raffles or mm-hmm. just being able to buy gear and not have to sell it a week later because they're like, this didn't yeah, this, me. this saddle jockey ain't working. Yeah. Like this is stupid, but they don't have anybody to show them and teach them. I went through the well, same thing. The, the education is very valuable. I think yeah. it's, we wanted to create that interactive educational environment and we're getting there, and we're, we're going to add some stu- stuff to it. And I feel like you don't get that at other places. I don't. You feel can't go to Bass Pro and test these yeah, products. Exactly. Out. Yeah. I don't. Or Academy, whatever. Like these these guys are selling directly to you, so you can't. Who wants to spend twelve hundred dollars on like four or five different saddles, have them shipped to you, and you know send back what you don't like? I don't feel like I walked into a used car salesman. Yeah. Like, like that. That that's the biggest thing I, I I've liked about this. I did not. I've never sat in a saddle until today. And I sat in the method two, and uh, Corey, who's been on our podcast before, <clears throat> sat down. And he, he's like, he's like, let me show you this. And I just told him, like, dude, you know, I don't know that this is necessarily for me. And he's, he's like, I get it, man. And he, he's, he was, he was not, not like pushing, but like, maybe you should try this, but maybe you should try that. And I was just like, like, it's not something I'm really wanting to do right now. I'm still very much a, you know, stand hunter. I think, you know, I might get into saddles. I don't know. But, you know, there's a reality there that I think when you go into an academy or Bass Pro or Cabela's and you've got like a guy, well, try do this. Well, why don't why don't you want to buy this? And it's like, well, because I don't want to di- buy the damn thing. Like, I, I can't take that out and test it here. Like I had somebody come explain everything to me and they say, hey, not for you. Cool, man. And, and yeah. like that that was such kind of like a relief <clears throat> versus going to some other bigger shows or things like that where you just feel like product is just kind of like pushed down your throat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they got to sell their breathe. ass off to be able to break even at least. At oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Not it's, just not just that, but I really feel like this is a place that like I think these vendors are really trying to connect with that audience or not really their, their customer base. Best way to put it, I'm thinking from a podcaster, but connect with that their their customer base to like a personal level of like hey like if you I, i'm i'm sure probably 99 percent of these the owners of these companies if you ask them for their number like hey if i have questions or something i guarantee they're going to give you your, their yeah. cell phone number mm-hmm. call me text me if you have any questions okay mm-hmm. or you know anything comes up because i'm here to help you and that's like that that kind of the people that are in this industry especially the ones that are here uh, mm-hmm. being represented because again they want you to be successful and that's the reason why they developed this whatever product that they're offering is because, hey, I think it's going to add value to it. Let me show you why. If you don't think it's a good fit for you, that's fine. That's completely fine. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, if you do want to move forward with something, you know, we're here to kind of help work with you. Um, because it's, there, there's so much stuff here. Even I, like, like the Amstel guy in, uh, um, Backwards Mobile Gear, it's like, man, they make stuff. I'm like, what the hell is this for? Like, I don't even know what this is for, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I'm looking at stuff like, oh, yeah, this, you know, diff- you know, just different pieces of, like, you know, additions that you could add to your gear list and, and your setup. And it's like, okay, I never even thought about that before. Because I'm, I'm so simple-minded. Like, I, I like, I'm, you know, ABC. Like, dude, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not over here, like, looking at X and Y and Z, that crap. But, again, there's stuff here for people like that where, like, they can ex- they explain stuff. I was over there, again, look at some of these different products, and I'm like, I have no idea what this is used for. Can you explain this to me? Like, yeah, here, sure, let me show you. And it's like, again, yeah, super simple and easy. And, again, like you're saying, like, if you're ordering any of this online, you're not going to have that. Yeah. You're just you're just yeah. guessing, like, I think this is okay. I saw a video on it. It seems okay. So you have, you know, see how, you know, what works. And then the next thing I know, they go to the Running and Whitetail Hunters classifies page and they're selling stuff they just bought last week because they're like, yeah, I can't ship it back. I've already kind of used it. It's not for me. And yeah, which yep. is, you know, it's not, never a bad idea. Hey, if, you know, if you're trying to buy something, you get might get something, you know. Yeah, cheaper. Something, you know, might, might get you a little deal. Um, but anyways, now guys, I, w- I want to transition a little bit because, you know, I'm only like legit Southerner here. I'm going to call Jacobs kind of like, you know, y'all in Kentucky's in the SEC. From Alabama's perspective, it's a neutral state. I call it's not it, south. We call it the mid south. I look at <laughs> Andrew. We call it the Midwest. Andrew's like straight up like New Kentucky's the Midwest. What if you divide it right down the middle and you've got like three teeth, the Easterns, and then you've got like <laughs> <laughs> then you, then the Western part is like actually the Midwest. I I agree with you on that. I do too. I, some I, people out there on this side, they are different. But it it, it it's it's. You know, I've I've lived in Kentucky now. I'm I'm originally from Ohio. Okay. And so I moved to Kentucky. Uh, I went to college there. I moved there because uh, my wife wouldn't move across the river. So <laughs> was she afraid we'd teach her the correct way to say Louisville? Probably. Oh, wow. <laughs> what, what? look at look at this! You I, just I, said I, it wrong. Louisville. Louisville. It's Louisville. L- Louisville. Thank you. See, someone else says it too. Yeah. Louisville. I, I am from the state. It goes. I. I it's Louisville. Louisville. So tell me something. What was that? Louisville Slugger? What go. is the name of the French king? King Louis? Louis? Oh, it is Louis. I didn't Louis. answer. I was going to say Louis. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't answer. You king were asking me. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Get out of here. <laughs> that means I've won. It's Louisville. 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 Just Lou- like it's for sales, not Bull. Versailles. Versailles. It's like Cincinnati. Nobody really wants to go there anyway. Cares. <laughs> <laughs> so get back to your question. No, no just, where I'm trying to get back to this question is like we, we, I want to talk a little bit deer hunting. I mean, this is a deer hunting podcast specifically. I mean, you know, every now and then we might talk about turkeys at the springtime, but that's about it. Um, Jacob, you had a pretty freaking kick-ass year last year, even though it like happened quick when it happened, freaking <clears throat> like craziness. Uh, yeah. Chris, you killed a freaking good deer last year. Thank you. Uh, it was a pretty darn good deer. Um, I kayaked in. Uh, it was a rut hunt, which I, I'm, no, I'm normally... What a poser. Lame. What a freaking poser. I've been Kayak. trying to... I've been following this dude on YouTube forever now. Uh, he makes offensive uh, videos uh, towards other mobile companies. <laughs> and uh, so, um, no, I... I I have been following him and noticed his kayak access and Parker McDonald. And uh, one thing that really turned me on to it, though, was listening to the Southern Outdoorsman 
Uh, they did an episode with a guy named Bill Vale, and this dude's talking about um, what? What are you trying to tell me? We found it. Oh, okay. No, Bro, we're podcasting. Oh, trying to locate oh, cups. All right. I'm sorry, everybody. We're, oh, we're going to leave that in. So <laughs> we're going to see how this is how this is what Rick does behind y'all's podcast. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, literally. <laughs> A lot so, of time. Sabotage. <laughs> so listening to Bill talk about using moving water to control your thermals, just light bulbs are exploding in my head. I'm like, oh my God, why have I not been doing this? And so now. I have I'm nothing great, but I've learned to play the wind. I mean, I don't get winded down there, you know. You 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 start hitting creeks and rivers and stuff, and so I went in there, um, one stick up a tree. I was like 16 feet. The tree was probably six or six. <laughs> Jeez, if only this was a video episode. So only fans. <laughs> Um, the tree was like six or seven inches in diameter. It wasn't, wasn't a big tree. And, uh, I have this doe come in and, um, this gorgeous buck's running her and he's got her pinned against the, the bank. And, um, she freaks out when I draw my bow and, um, he was just worried about keeping her pinned against the bank. And yeah, I ended up smoking him and he died on camera. We got it all. On film, you get to see the sketchy, oh my uh, God. almost drowning yeah. in the stream <laughs> with like, you know, it's funny. You don't realize how cold, cold water is until you're, you're standing in, in cold water in rubber boots that you, you know, so uh, that was special. But yeah, it was a, it was a good buck and a, a really cool experience. And I think the video is going to be really stellar. Uh, question on that. You said you were hunting like that river and everything and kind of that setup. Stream. Uh, stream. We how don't far? Like how, these words like rivers or. <laughs> no. We don't want to get specific. This, this brook. Bro, broke. Brook. Brook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was babbling. <laughs> <laughs> this damn brook won't shut up. <laughs> uh, hey, how, by the way, how far off the, uh, the, the body of water were you? <laughs> How far off the body of water? Yeah, because you said he pinned him up against the... Up so, the I was 35 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. The majority of the times that I hunted there, I would take anywhere from 3 to 10 steps from the kayak. There were multiple times where I would pull my kayak into like a little uh, a landmade slip, if you will. Just a little like a eddy or whatever, where it's just out of the way. And deer would come in and like they're looking at the kayak, but unless they get downstream, they they got nothing. Mm-hmm. And I've literally walked. I'm not gonna say I'm scent free because I listen to uh, Homeboy with the dogs. Oh yeah, Tom yeah. Brown. Oh my god, episode three fifteen. Yeah, maybe maybe the best episode the, in my opinion. Absolutely <laughs> the best episode. Maybe the best podcast episode because. That dude just went next level to the nth degree. It was crazy. So anyway, um, not to rabbit hole for the thousandth time, but um, those deer, they weren't smelling anything. I was stepping into the water in rubber boots, and we're walking up a bank three or four steps and getting in a tree. And so these deer come down, and they got nothing, man. So um, ended up 
basically within I mean, there were multiple times where I could I could have I could have fished from my tree stand like straight down. I was over the water. It was it's something I think everybody should do. There's a guy actually, Jacob, uh when you were doing your your uh, seminar today talking like, you know, we're talking water axis. There's I was going to bring this up. I was like it would segue the it would like just totally derail the conversation that you were having with Q&As, but there was a there's a guy we're going to interview I've hunted with him a couple times in Alabama, and he hunts specifically off a couple rivers using a jet boat, and he will literally pull up, and the, these rivers are different. It's big river bobs, like hardwood river bobs, and a lot of times the thick cover's on the water's edge. Like, it's not 100 yards into the mm-hmm. timber. So it's like the thick stuff's on the edge, and that's where the deer are traveling. He literally pulls up and climbs above his boat. Like, he pulls up to the wow. bank where, like, there's a tree right there. Mm-hmm. Will, like, step out of the, tr- step out of the, the, the boat – with his climber and go straight up over his that's boat, Man, that's and he's sh- and he's shooting deer at like twenty five, thirty yards, running the edge of the river through that thicker stuff. Because again, if you go forty yards off the edge, you're now outside the thick stuff. Thick stuff's to your back up against the river, and this is open hardwoods. And he's wow. and he kills the crap out of some big deer. But again, that's kind of situational because you know some rivers aren't like that and their bodies sure. of water. But that one specifically is that where he hunts. And I've been down there, and I saw the sign. Like, we went down there, and I hiked freaking in. You know, we came up with it. We were hunting out of a pontoon boat. And I freaking – he's like, don't go – don't get that far off the river. Well, I did and saw, like, a couple does. And when I came back, there was ch- big chasing tracks on the river through that thicker cover. When I say thicker cover, that's a relative term. It's not like you can't see through. It's just there's some, like, uh, we call it green uh, – you got green briar and, like, some, like, uh, privet and stuff growing there where it's, like – you know, ten maybe ten foot tall vegetation that you can kind of see through, but it's got like more shaded cover, mm-hmm. almost like saplings. Yeah. Describe some, some privet security cover. Privet is a Chinese privet. It's super easy to Google. It is a shrub plant uh, that was brought over from China that is very invasive, and it has these very small green leaves that just are like it's like a branching structure. So it's got leaves going off each side of the branch, and it just um, spreads rapidly. It it, it will self root. From like one plant, it could self root and cover a whole acre wow. in the matter of just you know years. You know, three, four. Like autumn olive? No, 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 no. I'll show you all some photos a little it bit. Sounds later. like uh, like how multiflora, well, multiflora roses. Up yeah, here. yeah, very. Yes, okay. absolutely. It's it's annoying, and it's from China. It's basically our president. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> all right. Well, go ahead and hit your mark button. <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna let that one buff. Okay. Um, I like it. Houndstooth Game Calls is your home for turkey calls this spring. Go check them out. They got all the classic turkey calls. You know, they got the pot calls and the box calls and the mouth calls. But they also got a couple really interesting calls. One of them is called the the success call. And you just need to go look it up. It's very it's like a box call that you can work with one hand. It's really, really cool. Sounds incredible. They also got the Spur Master, which is another very unique call that you can get some really unique, clean tones out of. They're going to help you out this turkey season. Use the promo code SOP24 to get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls. That's SOP24. Use it at checkout. It helps the podcast. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock Choke, and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And, uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter 
choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the True Lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the True Lock choke is unbelievable like everybody's jaws were dropping like when we were out there with mike and sam we were all super impressed i mean it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke and andrew you're shooting the precision hunter choke from true lock it's a great option same chokes i have in my shotgun so guys if you want to give true lock a shot this spring you can head over to truelockchokes.com that's t-r-u L-O-C-K chokes.com. You can also use the promo code Southern at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give TrueLock a shot this spring, especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with TrueLock. <laughs> but anyways, that's why that thicker cover is right along the river. That's why he hunts there. He's like, I've learned after hunting that year for three, four decades, I can literally climb above my truck and those bucks are going to run, I mean, literally, oh. or not a truck. Boat. Boat. That's an yeah. impressive truck. <sighs> amphibious. <laughs> you know, you know, amphibious assault, you know. But anyway, it's just kind of interesting. And then you see other places like Jacob in like one of your videos, like the uh the Kentucky deer, like one side of the creek that you were on was like more open hardwoods and it looked like there's some thicker cover up above you, like kind of up higher in elevation. Then the other side where the buck was at was like thick, nasty, marshy looking, just I don't know how to describe it, but it was like you could tell that that was like a thicker edge on that side. If anybody's ever like hunted Kansas, that bottom reminds me of it so much because the the way the grasses look, the the trees kind of grow that shrubby, like yeah, real twisted up. Yeah, exactly, wow. exactly. Man. So, but it's you know you we're just, I don't know how we got sidetracked on water, but like that is something that's really kind of interesting. And you know after hearing y'all's discussion and hearing Parker talk and some of the other guys talk about you know during that conversation during that seminar of like things that have worked. I hunted, I, I was going to, another thing I was going to bring up, one of the guys was asking about thermals, like on water. Oh. I saw a slammer Alabama buck locked down with a doe coming in on a little reservoir, like a little lake, hunting on public. And I was going in at 3.30 in the morning in my kayak. And it was one of the days where it wasn't foggy. And I saw 38 deer that, that day. <sighs> 22 of them were on the way in on the boat along the lake. Right. And they were stacked down the water below these huge ridges where all the thermals were pulling down to this big hardwood flat right next to the right next to the lake. And there was a buck that had this doe pinned down. I mean, she was almost in the water, laying there. And he had, he was right next to her. And there was another buck, a smaller buck. He was a really like he's probably a hundred and thirty five inch ten point. Um, and just you know, ten yards from him was a little dinky six point, and he was just standing there watching him as he's like laid up right next to her, and she's almost like in the water. Um, and like an idiot, I kept going. I was like, you know, I'm going to come swing around and get above them. I should have just backed up, turned around, and got up above the ridge because they went back up on the ridge at daybreak. But uh, it's amazing, like, how those deer are, like, so confident around that water, in that water being the lowest point in the area. All thermals are dropping down to that location. So if they're anywhere around that water, they can smell everything up and above them. Mm -hmm. And they got a huge mm -hmm. barrier Mm -hmm. To their backside, and yep. they don't. And they don't mind crossing it too if they have to. No, they will swim. They'll, they'll swim in a heartbeat. It blows my mind how well they swim with no not, webbing, not flippers. Like yeah, <laughs> no webbing whatsoever. Like just go out and get it done in the water. I have no idea how they do it. Now, uh, Josh, I want to bring up you. Did you? I, I don't. I, again, this is the first time I ever met you. I've just yeah. barely even talked to you, other than like probably some comments on Facebook and everything. Uh, 
you, Chris, and Rick, y'all all no, you live now in Kentucky. Is that right? I live in Kentucky. Okay. I, I live in Kentucky too. He, he whoa, came, he whoa, came, whoa, so whoa. I, I, he came I, across I, the river. So I many brothers I didn't know about. Dang, yeah. Holding out, man. Some mid southers here. Okay. <laughs> I recently moved. Oh, geez. Last spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we're in northern Kentucky. We're Cincinnati just, South. Yeah, we're just across the river. As, as long as they're across the river, that's all that matters. Yep. <laughs> but I grew up in Ohio. Okay. Uh, see, one thing I'm just interested in, especially after talking and like to a lot of guys like today specifically that like hunt around here, is like some of them will come like, listen to this podcast and they're like talking, like, man, I, you know, love some of these hill episodes. Or like some of the guys like I'm hunting flatland. Like some of the hill episodes aren't super applicable, but they're talking about certain things. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, man, I kind of want to come hunt Ohio, even though like it's anyone to say that, but like if you had ten days to hunt, especially like kind of more early season, it's very interesting. Like the diversity of like you can hunt flatland. Or you can hunt some hills, and then you can mm-hmm. hunt some freaking wild stuff on eastern side of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Like yep. they call it hill country. I'm like that freaking hill country. Yeah. Where I'm from. I call that mountains <laughs> four or five hundred for the elevation change or more. Oh now. yeah. <laughs> yep. And it's it's like so kind of interesting, like the diversity. But it's like I've been talking to more and more people. Like some guys are, are having more success than others, and it's like you know some of the guys are doing really good. I talked to that were more in like public land, but they're hunting like ag land, like flat, more flat, slight rolling hills. And the other guys are like, no, dude, I, I love the hill country. No ag or very little ag, more hills, kind of big timber stuff. And it's just like you see guys on the flip side, but one of the guys is like, Oh, yeah, the guy was in Hill Country. He's like, I don't really care about ag. Like, I just I struggle every time I've gone up to like central Ohio, northern. He's like, I just I can't can't kill deer there, but man, back down the hills, I'm, I'm confident. And it kind of made me think, like, kind of like on the, where we're at in Alabama, it's like there's so many different habitat types. Like when you find that one thing that you're really good at or like you really like, you just stick with it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's where I've learned with a lot of these guys. When you do that, that's when you start getting more successful instead of like kind of dabbling in a little bit of everything. So then, you know, you won't ever get solid at one specific, you know, not even style of hunting, but like habitat type because the habitat I think is huge. But I, I, I want to interview some guys like that that are very specific. Uh, they, they really strive in a certain habitat type. And if you're going either out of state or different areas, like how do you remap that out for success? Or if you're in the same state, how to like, hey, swamps my thing. Let's focus on swamps. How can I like, again, learn hunt swamps better, hill country better, and that kind of stuff, and like doing that? Because some of the guys I met this weekend, like it's just crazy, like the differences between like the guys, you know, struggling in the hills, killing deer and ag, guys struggling in the ag, killing deer in hills, and the guys live two hours from each other in, in yeah. the same state. It's crazy. It, it, it's it's really similar to when you moved over here last year, yeah. or over here, over to Kentucky last year, and when I moved over to Kentucky, is that your entire way of hunting, I think, really has to change, unless you move to western Kentucky where it's all flat land. So, like, I, I grew up, you know, 20 minutes from here, and it was all flat land hunting, and the only hill hunting we would ever do is if we drove up, you know, over to the eastern side of the state or where we do deer camp every year still. And when I moved over there, I had no public, I had no private land to go hunt. So I went and hunted public. So when you start doing that, it's like, it's all like most of, most of the WMAs near us are all big hardwoods. And, and like, if you, if you're not doing that, they're all, you know, very much up and down and, rolling hills. and they're just rolling hills and it's completely different type of hunting than, you know, going sitting out on a tree line in a tree stand mm-hmm. and waiting for a deer to run, you know, the edge of a bean field or a cornfield. You know, the the farm that I hunt now, I didn't know this until two years ago. I'm I all my all my bucks disappeared. Just like completely disappeared. I'm like, I don't know where the hell they are. Some guy leased a farm 
about a quarter of a mile away and planted an entire cornfield in the middle of it. So they moved all the way from like eating acorns. They all moved into this cornfield and every big buck in the area went there on, on, on this guy's lease. So it, it's, it's so weird to kind of move from place to place because, you know, you go out of state now and I don't do that a whole hell of a lot, but I think a lot of out of state guys who do that kind of stuff are more prepared for that more often than not, but it's really hard to break old habits. Oh, like I, 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 in my head, I'm like, Oh, I can sit on a tree line on the edge of this hill and I'm going to see a deer. And, and I have to punch myself. And I'm like, no, you can't like, you got to go and actually look for, you know, the deer sign here or something like that, <clears throat> you know, versus what you, you grown up thinking about for the past 25 years. Yep. And th- that's a good point. It's like not getting, not going back to your old ways when things have changed. It's one thing if you're like in your old stuff and you're like, yeah, I know how this works. It's another thing like you go somewhere new, that's not the same kind of habitat, not the same kind of steps, and you try to do what used to work somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You're like, why the hell can I not freaking see deer, kill deer, whatever? And, and that's one thing that's interesting I've learned from the podcast is, again, like some guys are very versatile and some guys are specialists. And, and, and some guys are maybe a little bit in between, but the guys that are a little bit in between aren't the ones that are always super successful. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you, again, you get the versatility guys and you get the specialists, and it's like both are successful in their own light, but it's like – it's hard to be either one of those because it all comes down to like that woodsmanship experience in time in the woods because you can't be like, oh, I'm going to be a specialist and, you know, be like Jake Bush and hunt early season when you've never had early season success before. Like, right. you're starting fresh, man. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, now we're in the trail cam game and all that kind of stuff. And it's like the same thing, like, if you're going to be a specialist for like hunting hill country, like, it takes years of hunting and failing to figure out, like, okay, this works, this doesn't work. It's like the same thing when we interview a lot of these, you know, you call them old timers guys have been hunting for 30, 40 years and they, they have such a, a dialed in system that they don't vary. They don't really, that's not that they're not open to new suggestions, but like this works. I'm consistently killing really good deer doing X, Y, and Z. I don't care what, I don't need to do D. I don't need to care to do A or B. Okay. Yep. That's, it's not, it might, would work, but I don't need to change it because it's working. And the problem is, especially like, I feel like us young guys, now, because like podcasts and YouTube and stuff, there's so much content out there, and there's so many different ways to be successful. Like, man, I'm going to dabble a little bit. Like, you know, Jake Bush, I'm just giving him an example because it's a seminar. I'm going to dabble a little bit and like really try and dive deep on an early season. And you try to do it, and then you get to like late October, you're like, well, damn, I freaking, like, what the hell happened? Like, you know, freaking, and I did what, it, did what he talks about and everything. I just, I didn't have success for whatever reason, or maybe you did have success. And you get to the rut, and it's like you're kind of always chasing behind. Instead of like just focusing on that one, whether it's the time of year or style, and just getting into it, like I'm gonna pitch it over to old sleepy Jacob Emery over here. I'm fine. <laughs> and he's another shot of bourbon. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, she doesn't. No, she doesn't for sure. <laughs> Man, his his, his he, he perk he puckered up, dude, when he freaking threw that shot down. He's like, he's like, what is that? I run my truck on that fuel right there. I thought you liked wild turkeys. Oh sh- no, <laughs> <laughs> no, but. Jacob's like, again, kind of, it seems like recently really, I mean, going, not really recently, but like going hard on like the water access stuff and like you're enjoying it and then you're seeing success from it. It's like, again, like building upon that and say like, okay, I'm not going to touch the kayak again for a year and let's go do something else. Right. And it's like not trying to chase your tails, like trying to like, okay, that works. Now like double down on it and continue to double down. Like once you have success, double down on that. Don't try to do something necessarily different. Now I feel like, again, Jake, I, I, I haven't heard Jake's story um, 
from like when he came over from North uh, New York about like early season sets before he moved to Ohio. But it, it's just interesting, like when you have a little bit of success and you just it's like this is what we're doing. Like I can kill deer doing this specific style of hunting and just go all in. Um, Dude has laser focus. Yeah, and some people no, don't. I, I don't have that. That's not me. Same. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like. It's just, almost I get distracted. Like I called him like a that. savant earlier. He was he was standing next to me, and I forget. I think my father was by by me. I was like, I was like, yeah, this is Jake. He, I was like, he's a savant. <laughs> he just turned myself laughing. He's like, I don't know if I can live up to those standards. I don't know if I would call myself that. Man, I feel like he is. Like, yeah. like I mean, he like anything. He, I mean, he answered every question. And like I felt like he had like if he didn't have an answer, he, he was did, honest about he it. He was honest yeah. about it. Yeah, and it, and it was just like so. Isn't that refreshing as hell? Oh my gosh, so nice. Yeah. Like, not trying to sell you on anything or benefit himself. He's literally so again, super. Not trying to guy. benefit yep. himself. No, just everybody else around him. Like true leader, you know. Yep. Cool dude, and that guy. I'm telling you. Watch, watch. The last week of September, it's something's gonna die. Something's it's gonna, gonna be freak, He <laughs> runs those poor bastards down. I know he was he was pulling me to the side, and I was telling him like, man, I thought about getting him going looking around, and I need something just to tip me, just just tempt me just enough to go ahead and just buy an Ohio tag, the land that everybody swears is the promised land. And he's like, man, have you heard about this, this, and this place? I'm like, no, I'm like. Should I? <laughs> like, are you are you throwing me on a, a wild goose trail? Uh, what are they call chase, wild chase, goose, wild chase. goose chase? Whatever, I don't know. Or a wild turkey chase after you chase it with some Coca Cola. You know. <laughs> no, I was very. No, I wouldn't say surprised, but man, when when guys like him have the success that he has, normally there's some sort of like, maybe not a like I'm I'm better than you or like an ego thing. Yeah, but like. I mean, I look at him like, mate, this dude's, he's legit. And if I want to ask somebody some serious advice, it's like, that's who I'm going to go ask. Mm -hmm. And normally they've got a great answer for you. And, and, and like you guys said, he's just, he's a real deal, super genuine, answered all the questions. And, uh, he, he completely stumped me on like three questions. I was like, <laughs> well, hell, I don't know. I've never really thought about that. <laughs> Did, <I'm laughs> the, one, the one question that guy brought up and I thought was a very interesting question is the flip side. He's talking about ags always being down low, bucks coming off the top, coming down. Dude. And the guy was like, well, what about if ags up top and there's benches going down the ridge and they're betting on those benches or at the bottom going up to feed? He's like, I, I don't know. And he was like, he's like, I just haven't run across that. And right, he's like that'd be a tough situation, and I'm like, I was thinking about like that would be kind of tough. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what that spot looked like. We actually have a lot of that around from where I'm from. I was gonna say that, that that's a lot of. Like, I marked what one the other like day. Kentucky, where yeah. I was looking at private land borders, closest to here, and I Ooh. found a food plot on top mm -hmm. of a peak, and it literally borders the the forest that we can hunt. The public, we'll call it. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I had never even given that a thought. And then uh, here we go again, you know, Jake and, and that dude's talking about that. And all of a sudden light bulbs are going off. I'm like, yeah, you marked that like an idiot. Or I feel like you'd have to play some drainages off of it. Well, 100%. I, I, I asked Jake. He he kind of agreed. Said, well, would, would we play that differently then? And hunt it in the morning rather than the evening with the thermals dropping and try to get down low and have them, you know, intercept them to their bed or something. I mean, I don't know if it'd work, but 
I don't know how you'd kill one in the evening unless he was running stupid. Yeah. Well, It'd be have, tough. You'd have to get to, like, if there was a drainage coming off the top of the field, get up next to the drainage. As long as he's not using that drainage to come up. Though. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, you'd have to figure out where they're I'll tell you out. this. If you could use trail cameras, I think it could be done. The problem is I think it would be easier to be done in an area with lower deer density. If you had high deer density – I think other deer are going to be what's busting you. Oh, yeah. You'll get yeah. Like the does yeah. and young bucks, when they get up, you're going to be screwed if you don't have that. I mean, again, that that super – I could imagine like a super steep drainage. Maybe they're side-hilling, mm-hmm. but it's, super, it's steep enough like on a north-facing slope or something that, that literally it, it's pull, that thermals are pulling so hard that even if they're side hill, they're not catching your thermals because it's that steep. Yeah. Okay? That's the only thing I can imagine. If it was like gradual hill, I'm like – be tough dude it'd be super tough but uh i was thinking about that because i had a listener actually i was looking over some maps with uh that's in maryland and it was looking at some public that sets up very similar to that where you know big fields up top you know that kind of stuff and it, there's a big freaking drainage on that side of one of those fields just like what you're talking about josh which is super steep and i'm like that would be killer i mean i told him morning or evening yeah man old boy fading over here. he's fading i am fine oh man <laughs> i was i was sold on the idea that mr emery was high energy yeah <laughs> been sold a bill of goods on this <laughs> Uh, jo- Josh, I want to ask you a question real quick. Yeah. Since you just moved down to Kentucky, what's been the transition like going from Ohio to Kentucky again, hunting wise? Like, what so, what's been like the what's been whether the struggle or what's the the biggest change? The biggest change. So I I grew up on on private. Like I grew up on like five acres, hunted with my father, and and he was always like, in Ohio. You're allowed to bait, so I was like, you got your stand, got your corn pile, and that's that's kind of what you do. That's how I grew up, and it wasn't until I got older and then talking to people that I kind of changed my mindset. And like I got, I met Chris, you know, online and then I, I kind of started changing my tactics in Ohio, jumping around more, playing the wind more, you know, not staying, not hunting over corn, stuff like that, doing pinch points. Um, so before I moved to Kentucky, I started changing up my tactics. And then when I moved to Kentucky, again, last spring i didn't have any private in kentucky and i had been on public a couple times with like chris um in, in ohio i hadn't necessarily hunted myself but we had went out there and i filmed with them and stuff and i was like you know what i i went to school for a long time so i like to learn and i was like i really want to put myself force myself to learn you know deer and what you know deer do deer things i want to learn those things so I went all in on public, and I didn't want to spread myself thin. I know a lot of people like to search different places and have multiple targets and stuff, but I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick a place. I'm gonna treat it like private because I always grew up hunting private. Get that down, and then once I kind of establish, get a baseline there, then I'll move on. Um, so where I was hunting in Ohio is more flat terrain, uh, very subtle terrain changes that would create pinches and stuff. And in Kentucky, you got a lot of rolling hills. Um, some kind of open ridge tops that are real thick. Um, so I picked out a particular WMA. I went and scouted. You know, I would always listen to all these podcasts. And, you know, uh, like Dan said, like, if you're not finding a big sign, big deer on there, you know, move on. Well, I was like, well, how do I know there's not big deer here? I'm going to throw up some cameras. So I would, you know, go around. I didn't find much. I found some rubs on a the complete opposite part of this WMA from like the main lot um, on some cedars and stuff. So I threw some cameras over there and I got in these thicker areas um, in Kentucky. You can 
hunt hell, almost a month earlier than Ohio. I was like, well, they should be coming towards water and stuff here. It's hotter then. I was like, there's a small creek down in this little bottom between the two little ridges. There's some tracks there. I found one nice set of tracks. So I'll put a camera here, put a camera to fix stuff. I'm like, I'm just going to learn. And uh, sure enough, I got on some some good deer. I don't know if you saw that deadhead out there. That was the number two buck I was on. He um, he went 148. Um, but I got surprised. To, to my surprise, my first year out there, I was on good deer. Now, finding them was one thing. Killing them is a different story. Completely different story. Um, but, yeah, so I was learning to hunt these different ter- terrain features, and I, I kind of started targeting, you know, where these bucks were bedding were these um, kind of thicker ridge tops There's where there's no trees. It's They're hard to hunt areas, um, not necessarily hard to access or hard to get to. They're just hard to hunt. Like, they're just no trees, right? It's thick cover. In September, I walked through there last year. Some of the grasses, native grasses, were like six foot tall. Autumn olive thickets, honeysuckle thickets around the edges. The trees that are around the edges are small, spindly things. You can't get a stand in. That's just that's their safe haven. Yeah. And in this particular spot, they were um, they were up on a ridge on a high point, and then the axis is lower than it, so they could be they were bedding up there. They could see everyone coming in. And they just slip over the other side of the ridge. Um, I I was rambling. No, no, you but no. Well, that, that, that's the interesting thing because again, it's gonna, how it changed from you going to Ohio to Kentucky and just like the difference. I mean, that's I mean that sounds super challenging because you're talking about you know thick ridges, a lot of native grasses, stuff like that on top, very little to no trees to get in. So you're like ground hunting, or you have to hunt off the fringes of it. Plus, yeah. they're in the elevated positions, so they probably can see you yeah. depending on how the cover looks like. So they're, they're in a good spot. It's that's super tough. There's the east side, yeah, the east side. You there's no access. Um, there's I mean, like, it's like a hard stop. I'm not going to give t- too much information. <laughs> there's essentially a hard stop there where you can't get it. So there's almost like a body of water, right, they, where they feel confident no one's going to come from that way. And then so they know everyone's going to come from one side. They have the high ground and then a bunch of thick cover where they can just slip away. Now, last year, you know, I learned from – Chris and some of the other guys, public land etiquette. You know, if you meet a guy in the parking lot, you say, hey, you know, <coughs> my name's so-and-so. Where you're going? I'm going here. So that WMA, I ran into a guy. His name's Drew. He's he's on our Facebook page. We got to talking. Um, just kind of like, oh, I'm going here. I'm going here. And, uh, you know, we were being, you know, friendly, sharing some information and it turns out we were on the same deer. He had the same deer I had on camera. He had actually glassed and, and seen in this area in person. So we're like, oh. So we just started collaborating. We're like, you know, we think these bucks are here. He's like, I'm going to go to this side of the ridge. So like, okay, I'll go to the other side of the ridge. And uh, Rick was with me the yep. opening day. I put Rick up near the ridge top, and I hunted near the bottom near this creek. And then... No, Drew was there the second day. Drew was there the second day. The two guys from Indiana were there. Yeah, two guys from Indiana. Um, they went because they walked in right in front of me when yeah. I was up in my stand. Yeah. Freaking so anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that uh, September 1st of last year, Rick had an encounter with like a 130s 10. Yep. 
who's who's I confirmed is back this year. He didn't he didn't grow that much. Um, anyway, the second day I ran into that guy and we shared some information. Um, hunted up on that ridge and it kind of just helped us hone in on that. He actually had an encounter with the largest buck on this WMA, um, who we were guessing was going in the one fifties. I think it was like the second weekend. Oh, it's gorgeous. Oh yeah. He so he was Beautiful hunting on deer. the ground there because you can't get in a tree. He happened to he was on his phone, he told me. He looked up and saw rack. This buck had just started shedding his velvet, so it was all hanging off, dangling, <laughs> bright red blood, and he was like 10 yards coming right at him. And I was like, that had to be like a sight to see. He he said he like went to draw his bow and like hit a limb, and that buck just turned on a dime and ran. Like was not giving it a second chance, just got out of there. That's the only in-person encounter I've ever heard anyone having of that deer there. So one, one one quick thing I, I want to ask you is like what's been like your biggest takeaway then from like hunting down there versus like again your previous experience and like for that transition because again this sound again it sounds challenging where you're at because you're totally having to like I'm not gonna say start fresh but it's pretty close yeah uh, I mean kind of like the approach wise so, I mean does that change kind of what you're gonna be looking at for this season again kind of going to year two on the property like that yes so. It- I've learned quite a bit hunting there. Like I said, when I when I moved to Kentucky, I wanted to to learn right deer do do things. I want to learn what deer do. Um, so I, I've learned that you can't always listen to what you hear on some podcasts, right? Where I'm at, there's if you were to go scout and look for big sign for big deer, you would leave this place, right? There's no big sign. Like I found a couple big tracks and places and that's it mm-hmm. there's i have multiple videos of these bucks like <laughs> just rubbing on spindly trees like the littlest things i had one that deadhead i have out there i have a video of him uh granted it was like towards the rut um, but he was he made like the tiniest scrape like six seven it like just pawed the ground a few times and he was on his way um so one thing i learned is if you're not finding those Big rubs, big scrapes. That doesn't necessarily mean they're not there. Big, the big track you found. I, I know a guy, and he swears he's like, like right now they're not laying down scrapes, yeah. they're not laying down rubs. Mm-hmm. But that track of his, that just one that just like holy crap, you need to put your hand beside it. It's like that's his signature. So you, yes. you've got it at least an idea that it's it's not a small deer yep. by any means. Now he, he might have some small wonky little rack, but most of the time it's going to be a four or five year old deer. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I've learned to pay attention to tracks, not disregard a place. If there's not necessarily a big sign. I mean, even during the season, I wasn't finding, you know, quote unquote, big sign. They weren't laying it down. <laughs> and especially where, where they were betting like those, the rubs I had found last year that were somewhat decent size we're like three quarters of a mile away, like a quarter mile away. They're half a mile to three quarters of a mile. Sorry. They weren't even close. And so I've learned that that's a, kind of a transition. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause here in Ohio, it's like, well, it's a big rub. That's a big deer. Like that it was, it was just different. Um, yeah. And then the other big takeaway, like from going from private to public is so my, my thought going in, was because I'm not in a I'm not in a big place and it gets pressured, 
my original thought as I was hunting this, I'm like, man, I'm going to have to get this done early season because once the pressure ticks up, like these deer are gone. Why was that was like the complete opposite of what happened. These deer were just so comfortable. They were so used to people that they wouldn't move. Like I have walked all over that place. And I think between scouting this season, last season, I have visibly bumped and seen two deer. One was like a couple hundred yards away. It was, I'm assuming it was a buck kind of up on that ridge that I was describing earlier. And another one was like a doe I nearly walked up on. I have trail cam videos of, of bucks. Like they'll, they'll come in front of my camera at like a slow trot and like look around, not blowing because I audio on, on videos and stuff. So they're not blowing tails, not up, not on alert. They're like looking back and they'll slowly trot off again. 10 minutes later, I have guys walking through. They just, they'll either sit tight or they'll, they'll wait till you go past and like slip out the backside. That was a huge learning curve. Cause I'm like, man, I wonder how many deer I've walked by there. Cause it's so thick. You can't see anything. If you're bow hunting around there, they have to be within 40, 50 yards before you're going to see them get a shot. Yep. The first time, the first time I walked up on a, a big deer. It is amazing what you have to do to get them to get up and move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to kick them out. They're worse than a damn rabbit. And I remember walking up or driving up on this big buck with my granddad in the side by side. And he knew that we were close enough to see him. We stopped right beside him. And he actually laid his head down and put his chin on the ground. And he sat there for as long as wow. we watched him until we drove off. And then I drove back down the trail just to see if he got up and left. He was still laying there. And when we went back by the last time to leave, he was gone. Wow. So he p- timed it perfectly to get up and get out of there without. And he, in my belief, he didn't ever think that we saw him. And it's I just, agree. It's, it's, the bucks, the big ones, they're never, you've got to kick them out to get them yeah. to go. The does, you know, they might run off or whatever, small bucks. But the big ones don't even want you to know where they've been laying down. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting how patient they are with just standing there and going going so incredibly slow wherever they're headed and they just observe and smell and listen Mm -hmm. and stare at all the other animals and all the space around them it's it's pretty interesting really like they're like everybody says they're a different animal completely yep for sure yeah yeah, it, it, it th- that comment. Uh, me and Andrews talked about that before, Josh. Like you were, you're saying like, how many times have you gone out there and walked past a really big deer, um, and he just hold tight or he just eased out of there, and you're like you're like you find the sign like, well, how you know how you know how long ago has it been since he's been here? And the more and more like we've seen like some of the GPS data um, and, and just stuff like that, it's like those deer are fully aware of it especially if you're in one of those areas that they're super comfortable like an area like that they are so aware of that surroundings and they're so comfortable being in there i mean those are the kind of areas as well it's like you can't kick those deer out unless you like set that place on fire probably yep. okay um and and it's like those are the places that kind of reminds me of like where we hunt which is totally different kind of habitat but again super dense thick cover i was kind of i was not gonna lie some of the videos i saw today on, on the in the film festival these guys are hunting and I'm like, I don't think I would ever 
you don't think I don't think I would ever put a stand there, like ever, like just if knowing what I know from back in Alabama. But clearly, they kill deer there because it's so open. Yeah. But the deer are comfortable because I'm like, you ain't catching Alabama buck walking through none of that, dude. <laughs> it ain't happening unless you're on the side of a mountain and it's like like this. I mean, super steep. Um, but uh, but no, that super dense cover is just is crazy. Like as you talk to more and more people that are experienced killing and tracking and, and hunting like these bigger mature bucks of just how tight they will hold and they don't want to leave because i mean they've gotten to six five six seven years old for a reason and especially if they are in that area they're not going to just leave the area to go to a new area that's one thing i don't i don't really i don't agree with you hear a lot of guys at least where i'm from maybe up here too they're like oh man you bump a deer twice you know he's gone forever you'll never see him again <laughs> and i'm like maybe if you have like 30 acres and like you don't have prime bedding on your property okay maybe he's going to your neighbors like that's not a big of an area but if you're on public he's not just like leaving unless there's like terrible bedding habitat and even that he might be just being bedding in an area with a great side advantage and you might be 150 yards away and he sees you coming and then slips out and you never see him right yep. So it's like that's the that's something I've really kind of aware of at least over the last year or something. It's like if you blow a deer out, it, it's again it's like that confidence factor, especially if it's an older deer. And if it's a younger deer, maybe a younger deer might do something a little bit different. But if it's four, if he's a five, six, seven year old deer, he's in that for, that spot for a specific reason. Especially getting around his bed, he's coming back to that general area at some yes. point. Yes, mm-hmm. yep. it worked. How many times have you? So sometimes you got to kick them up, and sometimes they just they decide to get up and leave, but. It's not when you're walking or when you're moving quick through the timber. It's when you stop. Stop. Yeah. And they think, that sees me. And, like, you may not even see them, but it's when you stop and you sit there for a minute, that's when they start getting nervous and they freaking get the heck out of there. Why did that person stop there? Exactly. That's how we used to jump rabbits. Right. You'd, You'd walk through the brush and then stop, and that's generally when we'd get them up. You know how we used to jump rabbits? Oh, boy. My granddad would grab me and throw me in a damn brush pile. <laughs> say, start wallering. We, we just used beagles. It's pretty I great. was the beagle. <laughs> pretty great. No, that, that's a good point. Um, like, that stopping. If you think about it, that's, that's definitely like a predatory instinct. Like, if you ever watch like, like that video of that coyote hunt, mm-hmm. when he's mm-hmm. that yep. coyote's coming in, it stops, it's looking. I mean, it's looking for whatever it is. Same thing, you know, going through the woods and catching a deer. Like it's like sitting there looking. It's not like walking, looking. I saw another video today of a coyote was in a field with, a, and it turns around, sees a turkey's running towards him, and it lays down on the grass, like all stationary, waits for the turkey to roll close, and yeah. you know didn't grab the turkey. Mountain lion, same thing. Uh, you know, any kind of predator, like they see something, they're gonna stop. And it's again, it's like, I feel like it's a predatory instinct, and they're like, oh shoot, like you said, like you know, yep. oh crap, it knows what's going on, um, and. You're talking. We've had a guest, one of a couple of our guests, talking about like when they would, you know, uh, uh, drive deer. Like mm-hmm. the best driving tactic wasn't trying to be super, super loud going through a cutover, but it was literally like going through there, almost like you're slipping, just making enough noise, and then standing there for like three, four, or five minutes, and then easing forward again, and having multiple guys do that because again, those big bucks just can't take it, and they're like, I got to get out of here. Yep. Um, instead of going through there, you know, with a they do it with a freaking milk jug with pennies inside it shaking it and crap or with rocks and shaking it and crap and it's like those big bucks would hold tight because they could hear you but the second they can't hear you and it's that thick cover and they don't know where you're at they <laughs> split and they're gone i think it's funny yep <laughs> get them all nervous absolutely uh rick i gotta ask you real quick what, yes. what, what's your take now kind of being down because are you going in the second season in kentucky no this is my 
probably down here for 12, no, what is this, 2022? 10 years now. Okay. What was that biggest transition for you? <sighs> Le- um, learn how to hunt hills. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that, that's that's what it basically boiled down to. I was a very much um, an ag field hunter, and for the longest time, I'd never hunted archery. God, I probably didn't pick up archery until five, six years ago. So I was very much just gun muzzleloader, and that that was it. And in Ohio, you get the one week during the fall, and then you get muzzleloader in January, and that that's all I'd ever hunt. And then in Kentucky, um, I would rifle hunt, mm-hmm. and you get the you know whatever it is, twenty one days of rifle now. It's then, ridiculous. Oh, is that yeah. long? I thought. Oh yeah, it's be like ten. Oh no, days. it's 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 a long time, and it's right in the middle of the rut. Yep, twenty one days of rifle. Two days of muzzleloader in October, and There's then another week long in December. So you mm-hmm. get you get almost four full weeks of gun seasons through there. And I mean that that was what it was for me. And then also, you know, learning that you can shoot farther than eighty yards because when I grew up in Ohio, all you could use was slug guns because it was before you could use a three fifty legend or you know uh, uh, four fifty Bushmaster or anything mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, coming over here, um, the first thought was, well, um, I need, I need to find land. So I found, I found public and every, every piece of public around me didn't allow gun hunting. So it, it's kind of like, well, like what the hell do you do now? Luckily we had a family friend who had a farm and, you know, I'd go out and they had feeders all over the place and it, it looked like freaking Texas. And I'm just, <laughs> just kind of like, you know, this, this isn't what I like to do. So I said, do you mind? Like if I, you know, kind of strike out on my own on your property, I, I figure out my own stuff. So I started putting up cameras, um, in transition areas and things like that. And, you know, I'd have a stand that was like up on a field edge, but then I would go into a bottom, you know, on, you know, a third of the way down the hill and I'd put a camera there and see and, you know, really trying to figure out where the funnel points were, where these deer were traveling. And like they didn't have anything real big over there because you know everyone around them, you know, would hunt and I was only hunting during gun season. So like you go in there and everybody's shooting everything that runs off each other's properties uh, in this county. So, you know, trying to figure that out and really, you know, I'm, I'm a very habitual person. Like when I like something, I'm going to try to stick with it because I'm like that works for me. And and breaking myself of that was a very, very hard thing to do. And then when I started shooting archery and doing early season stuff, it's like, well, now I got to figure out a whole nother thing to do. But that was almost an easier transition in a lot of ways because it was something brand new. It was something that I didn't necessarily have the same kind of dichotomy in my head around. And I could say like, okay, this, this is different than this in a lot of ways. And, you know, other than like a, a late snow hunt where, you know, you're killing does with a crossbow or something like that. Um, you know, this was completely different, you know, hunting, you know, basically what is that Labor Day weekend? you know, for, yeah. for deer and those deer are on completely different patterns, completely different, everything. And, you know, though, th- those were the big things for me. And like, I, I really feel like it made me into a way better hunter and just understanding things just a little bit better and trying to kind of 
push myself into a different area than what I was, you know, very traditionally used to. It's like getting out of that comfort zone. But when you get out of that comfort zone and you're willing to learn and ask questions, some of those people are the ones that learn the quickest. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple of listeners specifically. One's a woman, uh, Olivia. She actually might be living. I don't know. She might be. I don't know if she's a subscriber or not um, on Apple. But she, uh, we actually interviewed her last year. And she's like, just this is her second year bow hunting. She already killed her target buck last year, hunting her own family property, not hunting bait, just, you know hunting different, like, learning stand locations, thermals and stuff. And it was fascinating because so green, not a hunter, just got into it. And the amount of information that she now knows is freaking ridiculous. Just, like, listening to podcasts, watching videos, stuff like that, and putting it together and actually applying it. And, you know, had a couple of listener success stories from last year, like guys, first time ever bow hunting, and they killing, like, their first ever bucking a good deer, like North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. And it's like, you're, when you're, we go into a situation like that, we're like, hey, I'm just going to like let the woods teach me. And like, I'm not going to come in here like, oh, I've heard this person say this and this person say that. And kind of go in there and, and just learn and be like, okay, I didn't see a deer. Why did I not see a deer? Because I feel like so many people, and we've talked about this before, but I feel like so many people are, are comfortable not seeing deer or not seeing like the right deer. And sometimes, like, yeah, you get a weight. You might be hunting in an area like what you were talking about, uh, Josh, that, you know, some of these areas, there's very little deer sign. Mm-hmm. So you don't know what you're going to get into. You don't know your population is unless you run trail cameras. So, you know, you might not, you might have to go a couple of hunts before you see that buck because he's the only one in the area. But if you're not seeing anything for like five, six, eight, ten hunts, Dude, you you don't need to keep doing that. And I know right. people like that, like back home. Not, not not listeners, but like people I've talked to at pro shops and stuff. Yeah, man, I've you know I've hunted fifteen times this season. I've only seen one deer. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm sitting on a food plot. I'm like, get out the damn food plot. Get yeah, in the woods. Do Go do something different. else, dude. <laughs> like they know you're there or something, dude. They're like, yeah, they're always on my trail camera. And it's like so many people are so comfortable not having success. Oh man, it's weird. I mean, there's a lot of people like agree. They like to hunt, but they don't want to have success. If that make, does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Chris is pointing at me. So my my father's <laughs> like that. But I think the older he gets, but well, number one, the younger he looks. But <laughs> <laughs> but the older he gets, he just likes to watch deer. Was it last year? I hung. No, no, no. Twenty twenty, I had hung. There's this nice little pinch point off a thick area where i had like a mock scrape and stuff where a lot of nice bucks will go through late october and and during the rut there's a tree that splits and i hung i had a lone wolf assault too and it, it goes up and splits so i kind of have to you know hang my sticks a little to the twisted side. tree gnarly yeah yeah, yeah twisted tree so i hung the stand up there and it's a good spot and i told my father I was like, you need to hunt the spot. Like, th- there's going to be a deer there. And he was like, no, nah, I don't want to hunt it. He was like, no, no. I was like, you need to hunt here for, you know, it's a pinch, it's wind. He's like, no, I, I don't like to get on a tree. I'm like, he's like, doesn't look comfortable. I was like, well, do you want to be comfortable or do you want to kill deer? And he was like, I want to be comfortable. And I was like, oh, well, I guess that answers my question. <laughs> I was like, go, go be comfortable. Yeah, there's a. I, I grew, we kind of grew up like that a little bit. My uncles aren't aren't like that necessarily, but I grew up with other guys that would like they'd go sit and shoot. We call them shooting houses. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a pre-made blind. Most guys are making them out of plywood and stuff like yeah. that. Like I'm gonna go sit there with a buddy here because it's comfortable. I'm kind of out of the wind on a food plot. Maybe you see something. If I don't see anything, not a big deal. Just easy. Like actually, one of my other uncles, 
that's exactly how he hunts. Oh, and he's only man. killed like two, three deer in the last probably twenty years. Oh. Uh, but he doesn't hunt all the time anymore like he used to. But that's his thing. He's like he goes sit that lash in just because it was easy to get to. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Don't care about when. But there, I feel like there's there are there are people out there that are just they're not worried about success, even though they want they want to have success. They talk like I want to be successful. I want to have the meat. I want to do all that kind of stuff. But in all rea- in all regards, when you look at what they're doing, they're not trying to help themselves become better. They want to apply themselves. Absolutely. They don't want to ask the questions. They're, mm-hmm. they're so fine with, like, the basic average of, like, I, I see that one okay deer a year, I'll shoot them. You know, that instead of, like, go out there and, like, hey, or maybe not even shoot a deer, uh, not even shoot a doe because they just don't see any deer. I'm like, you've got to change what you're doing. So many people get stuck in their ways, like, this is easy. This is the way I was taught growing up. Like, where we're from in Alabama – you were taught sitting on a food plot, sit on a power line, gun hunt. If you're sitting with your bow, sit on a food plot, sit on a corn pile, that kind of stuff. It's like, if you don't kill one there, well, I don't know how to kill a deer then. And there's there's a <laughs> lot of people like that out there. Uh, so it's kind of amazing. But all right, guys, we're getting to a point here. It's you know it's almost time for breakfast if we keep going much longer. <laughs> so uh, I feel like we could. God, it's one thirty-two oh. in the morning. Hey, hey don't what worry about it, dude. I'm fired up now. I might not be able to go to sleep. So you know, that's what the wild turkey's for. <laughs> <laughs> I will never take a shot of that again. <laughs> we're just, we're I'm not a drinker for anybody out there that knows me. I'm like one of the most cleanest 31 year olds you'll ever meet. I drink, well, well, I wait, drink very. I'm looking at your toes. He's got what we call in Alabama Walmart feet. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're sexy. Oh, hey, hey. Well, you think it's a tan line, but it's not a tan line. <laughs> I'm not a drinker, is what I'm getting at. I mean, I will here and there. I've, I'm just a sissy. Let's just put it like that. I just think that you probably, in my opinion, I don't think you know. I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think you have an undeveloped palate. We'll put it that way. We're going to leave it undeveloped. It's like licking that couch you're sitting on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, but hey, uh, real quick, guys, just gonna, to get a point to wrap it up, Chris, uh, you know, Rick and Josh, y'all can kind of plug y'all's podcast and everything else y'all want to plug or sure. anything else while we're at the end of this for sure. Josh, go nuts. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm the, the buttery, sweet, soft tones of Josh. Let's go, butters. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, when we started off this podcast, we started talking about the Mobile Hunters Expo. Yeah. Right? Um, that's where we're all at right now. So, you can follow the Mobile Hunters Expo on our Facebook page. It's called Mobile Hunters Expo. Yeah. Um, hmm. Any information you could ever want is there. We'll, we'll post frequently, even after the show, for... You know, ideas we come up with, any updates on on if we may have additional shows or we're at. So definitely check that out. Um, everything else that we do is under Fueled by the Outdoors. That is podcast, um, YouTube, uh, Facebook page. I think we're almost at twenty thousand on our Facebook page. Yeah, right. Yeah. Crush it. Yeah, it's 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 decent, right? We we don't tolerate any of that other. BS or, or spam or anything, so it's yep. it's it's kind of a nice environment. And then Instagram is also fueled by the outdoors, yeah. So everyone can find us there. Absolutely, yeah. awesome. Anything else, guys? Before we wrap it up, just really appreciate you being a part of it, bro. Yeah, we yeah, this has been great. Thank you. We appreciate you guys going through hell and high water <laughs> to get it done. Hundred percent, dude. Yeah. Listen, I I'm dedicated. I ain't that dedicated. Thank God. Look. Chris, you need to be kind of. Something. I got the ideas, but you know, ain't, 
you know, Andrew's my Josh, okay? Yeah. Keeping us in order. People are scratch, I'm throwing stuff to sticks on the wall. He's like, no, take that shit off the wall. We're going to do this over here. So, nah, it's all good. I need somebody like that, but I need to find another dad that has three kids because it doesn't really apply if you don't. D-O-3, D-O-6? D-O-6. No, just D-O-3 squared, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that would be... Uh, that would be nine. That, yeah, that doesn't make... That math is yeah. a Dude, I, I went to... Kent- <laughs> I am from Kentucky. Look, I don't know how to math. Born and raised, baby. Let's go. Wouldn't no. it technically be 27? Oh, three, oh. three squared? Three times three. I'm not good at math. Nine I went to Fayetteville, man. It's 27. Okay. So did I. Dang. I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> he, I just heard his pride a little bit. A little bit there. He's more smarter than I am. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, uh, and also, Jacob, if uh, guys want to check out your YouTube channel, bro. How can people follow along with you? You know, on the videos, I never, like, say, hey, guys, make sure and like and subscribe. Uh, but right now, if you guys would, hey, go subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's very easy to find. It is either D03 Outdoors or it's D03 Outdoors. <laughs> he doesn't know. And I don't – I think it's O, okay? I'm pretty positive it's O. But go check it, it out. There's a couple videos on there. Some of them are kind of cringy and some of them are okay. Uh, <laughs> but there's, like, 70-something videos on there now. They're good. If you want to find out where we're hunting on the velvet hunt, you can go watch the... Uh... Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, where's the beat button? <laughs> Cut that shit out. Mark, mark it. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, 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 mark it. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's going, I'm not cutting that. Like, we're we're, we're going to let buff. We're going to let, let it sit. Uh, but yeah, go check out old DO3 Outdoors. Uh, but anyways, guys, appreciate everybody joining us for this week's episode. Actually, I think it's, we might cut this up to two bonus episodes. I don't know. We ran a little long here. Appreciate everybody listening to the podcast uh, again. And uh, hey, listen. Make sure you're part of this next uh, Mobile Hunters Expo. Whenever that is and wherever it is, guys, make sure you support it. But, guys, we'll catch you back here on the next week's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. And y'all stay southern. All right, guys, we're starting to get kind of close to summer here. And you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise. And I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast this show was literally made for you it is an excellent group of people that are going to be there a lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there you're going to get to talk to them shake their hand learn from them in person make some connections and guys we get a lot of questions about hey, which saddle should i get which tree stand should i get what about this piece of gear what about that piece of gear How do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.